0: Happy Easter. It's great to be here with you streaming online together wherever you're from, whatever city, state, whatever country you're watching from. It's a thrill. Happy Easter to you. Uh, Easter is, a, is an interesting uh, time because uh, many times people put on their, their Easter best. Uh, many times people are, are in a church service. Many times people get together with family and eat meals together and experience Easter egg hunts together. Obviously, the purpose of Easter is the celebration of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross and what he accomplished three days later when he stepped out of the grave. We know it as a time of celebration. But the first disciples, the first Easter, it would have felt very different to them. Than the Easter that we currently know it as. Understand that 2000 years ago, you know, Jesus had been preaching, Jesus has been teaching, he's he's been ministering for three years, and one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, betrays him, and and Jesus is arrested. Uh, Jesus is presented before Pilate, a Roman governor, and and he is sentenced to death on the cross. Now, there's a lot of details, and I'm skipping over here. I'm giving you the highlights. But Jesus goes to the cross, and he dies. He dies as an innocent man. Roughly around 3 p.m. on a Friday, Jesus would have breathed his last. The teacher, the prophet the miracle worker, the brother, friend, son of God, Jesus Christ, died. And in a few days would do what no one has done and what no one can do again. And that's defeat death and defeat sin. Let's take it from Luke chapter 23, verse 50. Let's read what the scriptures have to say today. There was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. This is after Jesus has died on the cross. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. It's important for us to take note of the fact that the women saw Jesus' body in the tomb, they saw his body as eyewitness testimony, they saw him there. But they didn't prepare his body for, with spices and perfumes, that would be the following day. They were going home to rest in, in obedience to the commandments regarding the Sabbath and regulations regarding the Sabbath. Luke chapter 24 verse 1 through 6. He is not here. He has risen. Say that out loud, right where you're watching from. Say that. Say, He is not here. He has risen. Jesus Christ is not in the tomb. He is no longer in the grave. He has risen. He's alive. Now, we understand it and we celebrate it and we have our worship songs and we get excited and there's no day like easter in the church but again in this moment friday just days prior jesus was hanging on a cross betrayed abandoned by his disciples Friday was a day that had been robbed of courage and Saturday came and like anyone who's, who's beginning to move either further into shock or, or even into another place within the, the world of emotional shock, it would have been a day of despair. Friday was a day robbed of courage. Saturday is a day filled with despair. But then Sunday comes and Sunday brings with it something different. Sunday brings with it a glimmer of hope. John verse, John chapter 20, verse 3 through 8. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. They've heard the word. They heard the word that some of the, 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 the ladies had, had, had gone to the tomb and Jesus' body wasn't there. And so they begin to, to, you know, they're doing what anybody would do. They're thinking, oh, okay, wait, what? Come on. But then they begin to make their way to the tomb. Both were running, the Bible says. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. you got to love the rawness of Scripture here, even down to, the, to some of the, the, the little details, the insignificant details. you got to love John, the writer of the book of John. He's, he's detailing the events, and like a good old-fashioned guy, has to make sure that everyone who's reading knows that he beat Peter to the tomb, right? The other disciple... <laughs> He's done it. He's, he's writing in such a humble fashion. The other disciple outran Peter and they, he reached the tomb first. Now, joking aside, getting back to the point at hand, the the reality is that they're running. Have you ever seen? When's the last time you saw men or women running? And I don't mean jogging. I don't mean in a sporting event. I mean, when is the last time you saw a man or woman run? And if you did, I guarantee you there was something that, that raised up inside of you and you went on alert. You immediately began scanning the situation for what's going on. What's wrong? What's happened? What do we need to know about? There are literally prank videos right now where you can see people running around a corner and they're running with a look of like anxiety or panic on their face, but they're saying nothing. And they just run past two or three or four other people around a corner. And it's amazing to see how it contagious running becomes. Literally a couple of people run around the corner and they, they are sprinting and all the other people, they begin looking around and they start running too. They don't know what's going on, but they just start running, right? This is one of those moments where if you saw a man running to a tomb, you would immediately think to yourself, something's going on. And something was going on. In fact, the greatest something the world has ever known, the most significant moment in human history had just taken place. Jesus had stepped out of the grave. Now, when you walk into an empty tomb, the, the, the empty tomb—it it tells us something. Obviously, it tells us that it's empty. But, but you, you walk in and you see the burial cloth. You see the, the the head shroud. You see that there was something here. There are clues that something has happened here. My kids and I were outside over, you know, while we we're social distancing. We've been out in the woods some and and somebody had beat us to the punch and had a little campfire and it was out you know but there were there was a little bit of ash left and i squatted down and i put my hand over the fire and i said kids somebody's been here somebody beat us here and they looked at me and they said well how do you know and i said well i can tell from the way the fire looks and if you put your hand over right here it still is hot and if you look at these logs, it looks like someone was probably sitting, you know, around this fire, maybe even just a few minutes prior or an hour before. And my kids looked at me like I was a tracker from last of the Mohicans. And <laughs> the reality is there were clues to tell us that something and someone had been here prior to us arriving on the scene. And in this moment, we have, we have women who saw Jesus go into the tomb. The, the stone is rolled in front of the entrance. And then when they get back to the tomb and the stone is rolled away, there's burial cloths, there's, there's this material, there's that cloth. The stone's not where it should have been. There are clues to tell us that something powerful happened here. Something significant took place. But was that something? It was Jesus. See, on Friday, Jesus defeated sin on the cross. And on Sunday, Jesus defeated death in the tomb. And Jesus Christ, he died an innocent man's death. Jesus Christ took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. And he died the death that you and I should have died. But because he was innocent and because he lived a perfect life, he stepped out of the grave three days later. Why? Because sin and death could have no hold on him. See, the empty tomb tells us something. It tells us that sin and death do not have the final word. Jesus has the final word Jesus Christ has the final word he and he alone is victorious over sin and death and only Jesus can live a perfect life and only Jesus could die the perfect sacrificial death for all of humanity and because it was perfect and because he was perfect. There was no penalty for him to pay other than the penalty that we deserved. And because he was innocent, death had no hold on him. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But when you have no sin in you, there is no death to be paid. So Jesus paid the debt. He paid the penalty of our sin and he rose back to life on the third day jesus has the final answer it's not sin it's not death it's jesus alone that's important for us when we talk about easter we talk about the resurrection we can talk about it in a way that's far off and i get it i grew up going to church and so We can understand intellectually that that, maybe that's true. We can understand, you know, the facts say this, and we believe it in our mind, but we don't necessarily believe it in our heart. And I want to encourage you this Easter and this Sunday to move beyond the gospel and the, and the, the resurrection story of Jesus, move beyond it simply being an account of facts and in a moment to record history. The fact that Peter and John are running to the tomb should tell us that this is very personal. This wasn't like they heard the news and were like, okay, well, we'll check it out. You know, well, well, I got some grocery shopping to do. And when I get through that, we'll swing back around the tomb and just check it out and see. You know, this isn't their reaction. The reaction is one of, let me lace up my shoes and and I'm going to run. I'm running with everything I've got to get there as fast as I can. Why? Because this is deeply personal. It's not that that Jesus purchased victory on the cross. It's that he purchased your victory on the cross. It's not just that Jesus died for sin. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. It's not just that Jesus defeated death in the tomb. Understand this. He defeated your death in the tomb. He defeated my death in the tomb. There is life, eternal life, for those who would believe and put their faith in Jesus Christ. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He gave us the victory, but he didn't just do it, you know, in this kind of rough general sense. He did it specifically for you. You have victory. You have victory over sin and you have victory over death because of what Jesus has done for you. Peter, the one who ran to the tomb, he says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He didn't just give us, he didn't just provide mercy. He gave us mercy. Do you understand that this is personal? What Jesus has done for you is a personal It is for you. It is for us. It's not something that just happened two thousand years ago and makes for a great story every you know annual Easter Sunday. This has personal bearing on your life, and it has personal bearing on your life right now. And because of that, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his great mercy that he's given us new birth. You're a new creation. You have been made brand new because of what Jesus has done for you. You are not dead in your sins. You are free. This is our living hope today. And everybody at home said "A." Man, you can write it. You can comment it. You can post it. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has given you victory. He's given me victory, us victory. It's deeply personal. And that means that in the midst of our difficult days, In the midst of being discouraged, in the midst of being depressed, in the midst of facing the implications of COVID-19 in our homes and in our families and in our communities, there is still hope because Jesus has the final word. If Jesus can defeat death and Jesus can defeat sin, what can Jesus not do? Jesus can do everything. Jesus can do anything. He is the God of the impossible. Last time I checked, rising up out of the grave is impossible to do. But with Jesus, with God, all things are possible. Your worst days on this earth do not have the final say on your life. Your shame doesn't have the final say. Your sin, your anger, your bitterness, your frustration and discouragement, your depression, those do not have the final say or the final word in your life. Jesus has the final word. This Sunday, this Easter Sunday, we're reminded of this truth. But the great news is, is it doesn't have to just be something that we think about. Something that stays kind of upstairs in the lofty places of our mind. Jesus gave us very practical things to do to remember who he is and what he's done. We call it communion. Uh, it says in Luke 22, verse 17, After taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And after that, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. Your Bible says he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So on Easter, we're talking about what Jesus has done. Jesus went to the cross for our sins. His blood was spilled for our sins and he defeated sin on the cross and his body was broken on our behalf and he defeated sin on the cross, but neither sin nor death could hold him down. And three days later, he stepped out of the grave victorious. But before those moments took place, Jesus knew there would be a propensity and a tendency in us to forget what he has done for us. And so the night before all of this takes place, he looks at his disciples and he says, guys, here's what I want you to do. Here's the bread. Here's this wine. Here's this juice. When you get together and celebrate, celebrate this. This bread now represents my body broken for you. This juice now represents my blood spilled for you so that you never forget, so that you may always be able to celebrate, take communion, and remember my body broken and my blood spilled. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. At this time, you can get your communion. Hopefully, you have it close by. I'm going to get mine. I have the bread here, and even though this is a unique moment for us, we're taking communion online together. This is still a moment to celebrate. The fact that we're doing this not in a room together, but online together, doesn't change the reality or the facts of what took place and what Jesus has done for us. Jesus' body was broken for you. Right now, I want you to take the bread And I want you to remember his body, broken on the cross for your sins. I want you to go ahead and get the juice. And at this point, I want you to remember Jesus' blood spilled for you on the cross. Jesus died for your sins, and he rose again on the third day victorious over sin and death. Jesus has the final word, not only over death and not only over sin, but over everything in your life. Let's pray and remember him today, his sacrifice made on our behalf, this deeply personal, life-changing moment. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you, God in heaven, for sending your son, Jesus, that we may know him and be forever changed by him. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins, giving us the victory by faith, and that you stepped out of the grave three days later. If we celebrate what Jesus has done for us today, Easter Sunday, I I sense a real moment for us, for those of you watching. I believe this is a moment to recommit your life to Jesus and to put your faith in him. I also believe that if you're watching for the first time, if you're hearing the gospel message for the first time, that this might be a moment for you to put your faith truly in Jesus. Whether you grew up uh, in traditional church, whether you never grew up going to church, whether you grew up going to you know, a mainline denomination or orthodox this or that, however it looks like for you, it doesn't change the reality that Jesus is King and Jesus is Lord and we follow Him by faith. We receive what He has done for us by faith. So this morning, if you would like to put your faith in Jesus and follow Him, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you are king and that you are Lord. And today, this day, I put my faith in you. You died on the cross for my sins. You defeated death. You rose again on the third day. And I believe it, Lord. I choose to follow you today. I turn aside from anything that doesn't honor you or bring you glory. Amen. Amen. If you put your faith in Jesus today, we want to say congratulations. There's no day like Easter Sunday. And if this is your time and a moment to recommit your life to Jesus, praise God. It's time for you to to get connected into a church. It's time for you to let go of that which has been holding you back. I want you to pray with me in this moment too. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you have the final word and the final say. Today, I choose to let go of these things that have hindered me and held me back from following you. Forgive me for my sin. I choose you above everything else today. I thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. It's a great day. Jesus is alive. He is our living hope. This morning, I want you to do one thing, especially if you pray today, but even if you're watching, maybe you're a part of High Point Church, maybe you're watching from another city, I'm asking every single person to take one step, and it's the same singular step, and it is to fill out a digital communication card this morning so that we know that you were here and we know how we can be praying for you and how we can help you grow in your faith. Even if it's as simple as finding a great church in your city, whether it's helping you get connected right here, would you please fill out a communication card? Let us know that you were here on this wonderful Easter Sunday. We're cheering you on. We're thankful for you.